From Tally to Cali, it's time to wake up. Warchant.com is your ultimate seminal sports source. And this is Wake Up Warchant, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. One more, now here's Warchant.com's ass on Hunch of Andy and Corey Clark. Wake up! What is up, everybody? It's Wake Up Warchant, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Coming up on today's show, meh, meh, the GOAT! Nick Saban retires. What does this mean for the college football world and even Florida State? The Knowles getting busy in the portal. Corey and I break down their latest additions and the hoops team. They're winning games, so let's talk some hoops. Wake up, board champ, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill, Tallahassee, Florida, cptallybar.com, the website. You can always hit the QR code on your screen. takes you right to aforementioned website. You can place your order to go, but you know us. We like to advocate on hanging out at the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Tonight, bingo night. Win some money, make some friends, eat some delicious food. You can do all that at the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill, 2475 Appalachia Parkway in Tallahassee. Lunch specials also going on from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. before bingo starts. Cheesesteak sandwich, chicken or steak, your choice. $8.99 also comes with a side dish of your choice. So can't beat it. Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Warchant.com, ultimate seminal sports source. Thumbs up, five-star rating and review now. Or you can wait till after the show. You're one of those folks that wants to have us earn it, but uh, that's how we do it. Corey Clark, how are you? I am great, man. What a day. What a day uh, Wednesday Shoot. was in the world of Florida State and just the world of college football in general. Yeah, so we're all but guaranteed that the offseason is not going to be boring now. Mm. Uh, not that it really was ever going to be because of this whole portal thing and the NIL stuff. So I guess let's get to that part of it then. By the way, also a good reminder to let everybody know, show notes, something called the show notes. So if you're on YouTube, if you hit like more underneath the video, which by the way, a couple people, I don't know if they were joking or not, Corey, they said they, they just look at our face, the cartoons the whole time. Other Man. people say they, they do use the aux cord, but some people, people just like looking at the uh, cartoon. Okay. Um, but show notes, everybody. Hit the more under the YouTube if you're on the Apple podcast, if you tap on the description. Basically, it'll tell you what we're talking about, when we're talking about it. We do that for every single show. Maybe not exactly to the second, but in the general vicinity of it. So if you don't want to hear us talk about Nick Saban, then you can skip ahead to the part where we talk about DJ Lundy. But um, Nick Saban, the greatest college head coach of all time, is reportedly retiring, according to Chris Lowe ESPN.com. He's the first one to report it, Corey. Yeah. Um, we don't have any statement from him. I'm a little bit disappointed we didn't get a Hayes Fawcett graphic and a uh, respect my decision or God's plan out of Nick on social media to announce <laughs> right. this. Yeah. Um, let's speculate then, first off, on just what makes a guy who is still at the pinnacle of his career, you think, walk away. How much of it is this NIL new age that we're living in? Uh, are there other things you think that factor into maybe uh, what made him step down on Wednesday? I think it's almost all the new age we're living in. I yeah. think it. I think it expedited Coach K getting out. Uh, I think it. It and I think it definitely expedited w what Saban's doing. And there, it's twofold here, man. One of it is a complete and utter hypocrisy. And I don't look. I don't think Saban has a problem necessarily with his players or any players getting paid. It's 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 just what I've been talking about now for a year and a half is the unsustainability. Do I think make up a word? But that could be real of roster building and retention when you can't – again, you don't know who's going to be on your team almost from week to week or month to month, certainly not year to year. So, you know, Florida State just got a couple of his players that he might have really been counting on to be player in, in five years ago, they would have been. Now, maybe they don't star at Alabama until they're juniors or seniors, but that's how Alabama was great is they had the guys like Earl Little waiting in the wings when the two first-round picks at corner left. Those guys don't wait around in the wings anymore, man. Uh, he can't hoard them all anymore. It's much, much harder, and it's just you got to imagine that at this at this time of his life to be, I think, in his 70s, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. To then have to – not only the money, like I want 20 extra thousand dollars or I want 40 extra thousand dollars. That's the part where I don't think that bothers him. My, my dude's made, what, $100 million in the last seven years? No, yeah. I, I hope he's not uh, begrudging – his defensive back wanting 100k, um, but that's pocket change to Nick Saban. But it's it's the it's the fact that he can't he doesn't know where his players are going to be from month to month. And this and it, it just seems like it's more of a young man's game than ever, than ever. I mean, he's getting up there in age. He's in his 70s. 72, and now he has, by the way. He has to re-recruit kids already on his roster. 
and he's losing 15 to 20 kids a year. Guys that some of them might have really been counted on to be program players at Alabama. And uh, and the, so I, I think it, it I think this new new world order has definitely expedited him getting out. Um, and, and he, you know, you can see the right. I mean, it's going to be really hard for Alabama or any of these programs to ever have a run like Alabama just had. Like, clearly Alabama's still going to be very good. They're going to be vying for playoff spots each year in national championships every other year probably. But it's never going to be like it was, man. It just isn't. They're not going to have Kool-Aid McKinstry's as second teamers because if you don't play that kid as a freshman, somebody that's a five-star super-duper recruit, you, you might not have him as a sophomore. And that's the reality, and I think it just got – it can be exhausting. And I think it's a young man's game. I think it's a – you know – bringing us back home to Florida State, it's a it's a Mike Norvell-type game. It's youngish guys. Uh, he's in his he's early 40s, not in his early 70s. And I just think the Kirby Smarts, the Mike Norvells, the Dan Lannings of the world, they can probably handle this a little better um, because it is, it is just nonstop. It's just nonstop, and it, it doesn't seem like there's an end in sight. So I, I do think that expedited a little bit. That said, uh, you know, Dabo is always the name that everybody floated out there, him going back home. But apparently he doesn't like playing the game that Saban's had to begrudgingly play the last few years. So it does seem like a Mike Norvell probably is the guy you do want. Uh, That kind of mold. Somebody who has shown the ability to embrace this for, I don't don't know if so much embracing it, you know, not because he, you know, really thinks it's a great thing, but he just realizes it's the it's the rules, it's the way the landscape is, so you need to take advantage of it. Um, crazy to think that maybe that is, you know, we sit here, two, not even so much two, three years ago, about where Clemson was and where Florida State was to talk about right. Dabo over, over Mike, but now to talk about it, how much do you think the fact, the fact that Mike Norvell and to a lesser extent, Dan, nobody has shown they can play the portal as successfully as, as Mike, other than maybe Lane Kiffin. That's another name that's out there. But I almost, you know, 12 months ago, I have Dabo's name ahead of Mike Norvell. Um, and not just because of one season on the field here, but it just seems like numerous seasons of what this roster retention and acquisition has gone to. If I'm needing somebody to lead my program, I'm probably taking Mike Norvell over Dabo Sweeney right now, even if it's Alabama and it was supposed to be this storybook homecoming isn't that crazy and i'm not disagreeing with you uh some people might be shouting at their uh i guess their youtube feeds now looking at our two dumb pictures well sorry my dumb picture and your handsome picture um uh, by the way uh stephanie's daughter uh thinks you're cute you got that going for you that you're handsome that's what she said oh cool thank you Uh, yeah there you go i i don't know why i said that it just came up i was thinking about you in a photo but um but I don't think you're wrong. I think Norvell is more appealing right now than Dabo uh, because you know how many portal commits Clemson has right now, Aslan? I don't know, one? Zero. <laughs> really? I mean, zero. Florida State has <laughs> 10. Clemson has zero. That So if you're Alabama, like, look, man, in 2019, 2018, 20, absolutely Dabo is the very first call you make. Now I'm not even sure you make the call. Because if he's not going to play the portal game, that then he's 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 just turning his head on like thirty percent of what college football is now. He's just ignoring it, and good luck with that. Um, it's Florida State is past Clemson in two and a half years. Clemson was the second best program in the country for basically a decade, and within two years, because of the portal and NIL, Florida State is now Florida State was one of the worst programs in the country four years ago. They just passed Clemson. So, yes, I, I think that that would be much more appealing to have somebody that can play the game, that knows the game, is not even, is willing to play the game. Yeah. So, well yeah, I, I do think Norvell would be uh, somebody that would be appealing to them. Man, I you know, I, I keep thinking about it, and maybe it's – I know I'm probably being a, a bit of a – I guess a homer um, with blinders on. I don't, I don't see the appeal of t- replacing that guy. Um, if you looked at Alabama right now in the short term, in 2024, because, man, you look at Alabama's roster this year, you look at Florida State's roster this year, which one was better? Alabama's, but well, not by a wide yeah. – But, yeah, marginally. So why then, if you can get similar type talent and similar roster structure at a place like Florida State, in the easier conference, until how long you're here, we don't know, but as long as you're in this conference, it's an easier schedule – 
with expectations that are at least bordering on realistic mm. and not crazy, snout-nosed Uber fans that have nothing else to do but cri- but and moan about the guy that replaces Nick Saban. I mean, can you? Um, there has never been in the history of college sports, and I truly believe this, maybe sports in general, that have had to step into bigger shoes than whoever's stepping into Nick Saban's shoes because of the passion and uh, passion's probably not nearly as strong a word of what of that fan base in the expectations that are to Jupiter yeah. and the person you're replacing. I can't imagine what kind of cal- cauldron of just despair that would be for a human being. I just can't imagine it, man. Like, cause they, you aren't going to be Nick Saban, Mike Norvell. There isn't another one. Yeah. He, you, the first time Mike Norvell goes eight and five, he might not have a job. Like that's 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 how high those expectations are there because they're going to forget what Alabama was from 1980 to 2008, and they're going to just remember the last 15 years. And that is an impossible situation to walk into. But and also he's rich. Like Mike Norvell gets paid a lot. And yeah, maybe Alabama offers them what they were just paying Saban. Maybe maybe it's an extra five or six million dollars a year. And it's easy for sports writer, podcaster Corey Clark to say, "No, man, you're already rich. You don't need that extra money." But by God, if you think about quality of life, <laughs> and if you think about the chance that you still have a chance because of the way the playoff is structured currently, until they just make it the SEC versus the Big Ten Invitational, you still have a chance to get in the playoff and play for a championship. I don't know why you would go there right now to replace that guy. Go replace the next guy. I'm not sitting here saying that Florida State and Alabama are equal footing. Um, it is an upward move. It's it's more sideways than it is upper, but it is still an upward move. But not by enough that you would want to, I think, this again, this is just me talking, that you would want to put yourself in that cauldron because it would be, it just seems like misery, man. It just seems like misery. You know, but... But five years later, will you will they be less inclined to compare you to Nick Saban? You know, it feels like no matter who's at that's Florida, if you make it five years. Yeah, you that's know. that was my point. If you make it five, yeah, if you well, made it five like, years at Alabama, you've obviously won a lot of games because they're not going to keep you around. You've probably had to have won a national championship to still be there after five years after replacing Nick Saban. Well, I just meant more so. You know, you don't want to be the guy that replaces the guy, right? Um, yeah, you, you, the next guy. So, like, you know. Florida could have kept winning if they would have hired Urban Meyer right after Steve Spur. Like, I don't think Ron Zook was a necessity to get to where Florida got. You know, I just don't. That's the and I know that's a very popular thing right now is everybody talking about you don't want to be that kind of guy. But the way these guys are all wired right now, I just think they're like, all right, man, Alabama has all the infrastructure in place. Allegedly, although we don't really know how their NIL collective works because. You know they're they're practically begging after they lost in Michigan to help out. So if you don't have that component, it doesn't really matter everything else. I I just don't know if that would scare any. You know maybe I'm not being totally practical or genuine here, but I just I don't know if that would scare anybody off because they all have egos of their own. They're like, listen, I can I'll get this thing figured out. It's fine because you know I'll I'll keep this thing rolling. But it's it's a fair valid thing to talk about. But I just wonder if that really would scare anybody away because I just if you if you're already a place like Florida State and again I'm not saying that Florida State and Alabama are equal uh if you look at wins over the last five decades it's mighty close but let's just say Alabama is a tick above um it's just a tick though and it's like what what's not in place at Florida State that he can't win he just went 13 and 0 yeah and we watched those playoff games man his team was as good as those teams or at least could have competed and beaten any of those teams so what does he not have at Florida State that he that he wants that he would get at Alabama, other than a crazy crazy fan base? And look, I, I'm not look. Every fan base has crazies. This is a different level of crazy, and it always has been. If you don't remember, just go like go YouTube video like autographs, Alabama fan day like 2008. Yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable. But not only that, that was before they had 15 years of unparalleled success. So it's been ramped up to an even crazier level. And you really want to throw yourself into that following that guy. That's why. That's where I wonder, it, you know, I, I just, it's going to be hard, man. It's going, to be, it's going to take a different kind of dude. And I'm not saying you're right about the ego. Like Mike Norvell knows he can coach. He's proven it to, you know, millions of people. He's proven it to 
himself. He knows he can coach. He might think he's as good as Nick Saban. He might think he can do better at Alabama than Nick Saban did. I mean, that would be foolish, but he might think that. Um, so they all, they all have egos. It just feels like, man, that's setting yourself up. Like, you've got something good going here that's almost equal with a lot less of that that you would have to deal with. The expectations, the legacy, uh, the cra- the craziness of the fans, fine bomb, the tough schedule. Like, man, imagine him, uh, anybody. Like, let's, let, but let's just use him. And again, he's on a list. But there's there's ten or twelve names that are on a list. It's everyone that's won like more than twelve games in a season in the last two years. It's like yeah, on that and look, list. man, he was on the A and M list too. I brought this up with Tom when we did the video that's on our site right now. Um, you know, he was on that list today that when when Jimbo got fired, all of a sudden Mike Norvell's on that list too, just because he's young and he's winning, and so they always show up. That's how these lists work. They're a preliminary list made by some national writer that has no real insight into what Alabama's thinking. It just makes sense he would be on a list, just like Dan Lanning, just like the guy at Washington, DeBoer. Like, it makes sense. Sarkeesian, Kiffin, like, those guys are going to be on a list, but it doesn't mean that it's a realistic chance that he goes. And I'm not sitting here saying it's not either. I'm just giving you the perspective. But, you know, A&M, they, people were worried that A&M was going to go poach another Florida State head coach. There was only one guy in the history of the world that would leave Florida State for Texas A&M. And his career is now over. Mm. Great decision. But he's the only guy that would do it. Yet, because it's an SEC school that has money, people thought the Florida State coach might be interested. They ended up getting the coach at Duke. Other ACC coach. Wrong one. What do you mean? Well, I'm saying that they, they, they got the wrong ACC coach, right? Right, right. well, right. Florida State, they got the one from Duke and State. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So these are just preliminary lists. We have no idea. Probably, if nothing else, would get Norvell a nice raise or a raise for his staff or maybe get the ground started on that football-only facility. <laughs> maybe this is the final nail in the, the, the coffin to make that actually happen. But, yeah, but it, it is a list. I don't know how serious Alabama – I don't know that – I don't think he would be 1A. I don't think he's their first call. Uh, but I do think he would be on a list that's emailed out to a search firm or to eight or, you know, a 10- or 12-person list. I think he'd be on it because he is one of the best coaches in the country. Yeah. You know, he just is, and he's young, and he's he's done what he's done at Florida State. It's just, again, and, and again, I'm, I guess I'm, I, I, I view the world a little differently – I just don't understand if you have Florida State built to last, which we think he does. Again, they're not going to be undefeated next year, but they could, especially as we will get here in a second, as we talk about these additions to the roster, they should certainly be in contention for an ACC championship and a playoff spot. And then next year they could be even better than they are this year. Why would you leave this, what you've built from the ground, to go hang out in a castle that was built well before you. You've built this house. Like, it got crumbled to the ground. You've built it back up into, uh, you know, a beautiful facility. And now you're going to go leave it to go into somebody else's house? That you can't do anything but disappoint. Like, the, you can't. There's, there's no way you're going to – you always want to be better than your predecessor. There is no way – Zero chance All right, that whoever go. takes the Alabama yeah. job is going to be better than the, the predecessor. It's impossible because he's the best that's ever done it. So that's just a lot of pressure that, you know, you don't need in your life. Mike's already gray enough. Yeah. He's already gray enough. Well, his hair would fall out. He would look like me after two years in Tuscaloosa. Um, in my lifetime, Corey, Alabama has hired Ray Perkins, Bill Curry, Gene Stallings, Mike's DeBose, Price, and Shula. All back-to-back, back, huh, the Mikes? No, I think Francione was thrown in between oh, one of those. Oh, that's right. And then Nick Saban. But they do love their Mikes. This would be number four if they got him. Very good point. That's another th- point. How did those other Mikes do? Not well. Uh, yeah. One of them never even coached one game. <laughs> right. Um, the other two got ran out of town, one a little more diplomatically because he was an alum. Right. So, like, all that to kind so of So, you're say, saying they have not had a good history with they have Mikes. They have not. They have not. But, like, you go back and you're like, what were they doing hiring – Bill Curry. Like, Bill Curry had won maybe 10 games combined at Georgia Tech before they hired him. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know what Mike DeBose, you know, I know, you know, Mike Price had done well at Washington State here and there. I, I just don't, are they going to, are they going to regress to their modern day mean or will they get another outlier that was, you know, in the, it's going to be, man, this is fascinating, man. This is really, really fascinating. Like, look, man, Florida was incredible when Urban left. 
They were one of the best. They were, I, heck, they were the best program in the country, or at least one of the top five. Um, and he had just had the number one recruiting class. People called that the best recruiting class of all time, quite like Jimbo a few years ago, that whatever that was, the 2010 recruiting class. And then Urban quit the next year. And they've been searching for another Urban Meyer since. And they've been searching for relevance ever since. And Florida is a big school which has a lot of history and tradition and a great fan base. I'm sorry, I said use the word great for you guys. <laughs> a passionate fan base that fills up that stadium. Um, and they've still been searching for their next Urban Meyer or their next Steve Spurrier. Yeah. It's hard, man. Yeah, There's no guarantees. And just because you're in a big school that has experienced a lot of success does not mean you're going you're gonna to keep it going. And I think coaches, all of them, like have to look at the prospect, their future prospects of can I keep Alabama at Alabama? How, what, what is my what was the average life expectancy of all those coach uh, sorry coaching expectancy of all those other guys before Nick Saban because I can't imagine it was more than four years average maybe three and a half years and then what or I could stay in Eugene or I could stay in Austin or I could stay in Tallahassee or I could stay in Clemson and keep what I built afloat keep what keep what I built to keep it going keep it keep building on it uh, I it's it's fascinating, man. I, I, I know that it's – I know people think they can just go get whoever they want. I don't know if that's the truth, man, because all these guys are filthy rich. Um, and I, I just don't know – I mean, yes, if you offer somebody $25 million a year, they'll come, but I, who's going to – you're not doing that. So, it, uh, you know, I think Kiffin would because it's a huge step up. Yes. You're not going to win a championship yes. at Ole Miss. Yeah. You're just not. You can't convince Dan Lanning, and you can't convince Steve Steve Sarkeesian, and you can't convince Mike Norvell that they can't get to the playoff or win a championship unless they come to Alabama. They've all basically done it or been very, very close to doing it like as far million, as getting in the playoff. Like $4 million a year isn't worth that risk, although I guess it really wouldn't be $4 million a year. It'd be, you know, 40 because you're signing a 10-year contract and you're making $4 million more. But I think even stretch over that amount of time, it's not worth taking that risk, man. Because I, I don't think it's a slam dunk. Um, you know? Oh no, it's not. You, 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 you no, it's absolutely not. You're not. You're not guaranteed to win at Alabama. Just look at the three mics you named. Yeah. Like uh, it's not. It's not a guarantee. And Saban's built it to a place now where it seems like it's. Um, it, it, it's almost un, a failsafe. It's it's yeah. unfallible, infallible. It isn't. All these places lose, man. Georgia was kind of average to above average for a decade and a half with Mark Richt. I think. Was he there that long? I guess he was. Then they hired a great coach, and they took it to another level. But if Kirby were to leave for Alabama, or the Falcons, God willing, (laughs) if he were to leave, um, that does not guarantee that Georgia just keeps trucking right along, man. It just doesn't. That, that, That is not a guarantee. This isn't the Yankees. Um, where you know they're always going to be competitive because they're going to be paying the most money. There's a lot of other stuff that goes into it. Um, and, and, again, this isn't sour grapes. This isn't me saying, I just want you guys to know that. Like, oh, nothing to see here. I have no idea uh, what what Mike Norvell would do. I wonder, uh, me and Tom Lang talked about this. What if Alabama does cover uh, hire Sarkeesian from Texas? Does then Texas make a run at Norvell? To me, that would get that would be a little harder to turn down than Alabama because Texas has not experienced a lot of success. Over the last 20 years, over the last my, my lifetime, really, they've won one national championship in my lifetime. So that is not quite what you're walking into in Tuscaloosa. Um, would that would he be somebody they go after there? Would that be appeal, more appealing to him than Alabama? And it might be. I don't know. I'm not saying that Norvell's here but, forever. But at the same time, though, like if you're Sark, why would you leave Texas for Alabama? That's what I think. And I know you talk right, about Texas. That's what I'm had, saying. Right? Texas they just were in the playoff. Yeah, Texas hasn't had the same amount of success, obviously, that Alabama has. But who has under Nick Saban? He's also got Arch Manning. Yeah. And he has got and he just was, what, one pass away from getting to the national championship game. Yeah. There's nothing that the, – the names the names that are being bandied about now when it comes to – and it's just the short list that we saw. There's nothing that Alabama offers that they don't – as far as competition, as far as winning games and championship-level competition – that these that these other coaches don't already have, so that's why I think it's going to be fascinating to see who really they hone in on. Would you leave Eugene, Oregon for for Tuscaloosa? Maybe, probably, yeah. maybe because you think over the long haul you're going to have more chances to win. You're also playing in the SEC, and well, you know it's it's Big harder Ten to win. Big Ten, no, you're right. The Big Ten's though. no no bad. You know that's uh, it's. 
pretty good shakes in the Big Ten too these days. So it's it's uh in uh, man Michigan might be about to come open. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like this, it's going to be a lot. These dominoes are going to be really interesting to watch fall over the last two or three weeks. You hope that they don't affect Florida State, um, but you you never know, man. You just don't know in this day and age. I would be, I would be disappointed. Not in Mike Norvell. I would be disappointed that Mike Norvell left um, for for Alabama or for any other job right now because I do think he's kind of in the middle of building something uh, pretty unique and special here. Um, I hope anyway. It feels like the ground floor. It just feels like um, there's a lot of stability here, and he could be here for a long time and win a whole bunch of games and be beloved. But he might want to go somewhere else. He might want to go where if he go to a conference where if he goes undefeated, he knows he's in the playoff. You know, maybe maybe that's where he'd want to go. But I also think the 12 team playoff is something that you have to think about now. Mm. You know what I mean? Like there, it 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 will be easier. Weirdly. It's easier to win the ACC than it is the SEC, uh, obviously. And, you know, maybe maybe he thinks, okay, if I can just finish in the top two in the ACC as opposed to the top four in the SEC that's now adding Texas and Oklahoma, I have more chances to contend for national championships, especially if he keeps getting the, the rosters like he's had these last few years. Ray Perkins, four years. Bill Curry, three years. Gene Stallings, seven years. Mike DeBose, four. I don't even four complete. Francione, two uh, Mike Shula four, so. Well, who and Mike Price zero? Correct. Yeah. So yeah, you got to add that zero in there. Yeah. So yeah, that's I think you I think that was twenty three years and you named seven coaches. So three point two, that was the average. Is three point two seasons per coach until they got the best coach of all time. Yeah, but he's like Debose was an internal candidate. Yeah. Uh, Francione came from TCU. Um, it just, it just feels like, you know, it's, I know it's not a slam dunk. They're going to keep this thing rolling, but they're going to have to, they're going to have to almost go out of their way to botch this though. But again, at, at the same time, it's going to be hard to get guys that are at good places to leave. And that's what, you know, Nick Saban practically was. I mean, he was at, it's he was also, the NFL. but it's also hard to get guys. It's going to be very hard to win in Alabama, like not impossible clearly, yeah. but it's hard to win there. It's going to be, you're, you're like I just said, Texas and Oklahoma are joining the conference. Um, so and it's it, it ain't like Alabama's been steamrolling folks. This isn't like if Bobby Bowden had retired in 1999, just keep the train running. Like that wasn't that. This isn't that because the parity, because of NIL, because of uh, the portal. That it is not a guarantee that Alabama is just going to keep coasting along. In fact, I, it's kind of a disservice to Saban. Exa- I think it's a, absolutely. Yeah. It's incredible what he did. Yep. It's incredible what he did to keep them so good for so long. This was. Maybe his worst Alabama team, in my opinion, since his first one, the one that Xavier Lee beat. I think this was his worst team since that team. And they got to the playoff. Now, do they deserve the playoff? No. Let's, let me phrase it another way. They won the SEC yeah. with what was his probably his worst team in 14 years. That's how good a coach Nick Saban is. And that does not mean that Mike Norvell or Dan Lanning or Sarkeesian or Kiffin can just come and do what Nick Saban does because nobody can. I mean, he's, a one of, he's one of one. So they are going to take a dip. And what's that roster going to look like in April, man? Like th- those those Alabama kids, the ones that are still there. They got 30 that, days. That portal leave. is open for 30 days. Uh-huh. And I can promise you their phones are blowing up, especially Caleb Downs. I don't know how hard high, uh, hard Florida State recruited that kid, the safety at Alabama that was their five-star super-duper starter as a true freshman. Go ahead and just reach out again, see what he feels, how he's feeling, how he's feeling about the uh, the news of the day. <laughs> I'm feeling good. I got Vibe Energy Mood on my side. Mood Plus, 260 milligrams of all-natural caffeine, plus chamomile flower extract, plus lemon balm extract, plus passion flower extract, plus valerian root extract, and some more nutrients. It's Vitamin Energy, everybody. Go to VitaminEnergy.com. Use the promo code WARCHAMPBOGO, WARCHAMP, B-O-G-O. Buy one, get one free of the world's first and only clinically proven energy shot, award-winning, patent-pending, all that good stuff. Mood Plus getting me through. Um, had to power through, chop down trees, mm. go, go my Paul Bunyan era as uh, that severe weather on Tuesday brought some stuff down around the Midtown offices. But we persevered uh, because we had energy on our side. Vitamin energy. Go to vitaminenergy.com and use the promo code Corey. Or Champ Bogo. To buy one and get one free. They're Florida State alums. Check them out. Shake it and take it. You'll like it. Vitaminenergy.com.
With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Let's get to all these additions, Corey. It's been a few days since we've hung out. We'll do a mailbag tomorrow. Uh, 13 questions is the most we'll take to celebrate the past season. Also, so we don't, you know, do a three and hour, three and a half hour show for mm. you folks. There you go. Uh, I don't well, know. Are you going to pick the best ones? Or are you just going to go whoever gets in first? Yeah, I think I'll leave it open until I see 13, and I'm just going to like lock. I also feel well, I wouldn't do that because you might miss out on a great question. I think you, we should peruse them All and right. decide. But also, I think a few of them will be um, basically repeats. Um, so you could like combine them into one maybe or something. Well, I've done that before. I know. Um, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. So I still want to be like, your question wasn't good enough. It didn't make it. But please keep subscribing to our website and pay to keep our lights on. Um, yeah. But then it's like, sorry, you didn't get in in the first 20 minutes. You don't get a question asked. Well, you know, hey, that's how Taylor Swift does business. So. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Who can argue against her? By the way, shout out to uh, your fiance's uh, brownies. Uh, mm. Real, real good. Shout out to the social media team. Uh, they tweeted out a photo saying, "Congrats to our former DC on an incredible coaching career." Uh, it's a photo of Nick Saban from like 1988. Ah, uh, yeah, in a Browns funny. polo. How about I saw something on Twitter where Ohio State? It's the it's a little blurb in the Columbus paper, 1980. Ohio State hires Nick Saban as its new defensive backs coach to replace the departing Pete Carroll, who is going to be the defensive coordinator at North Carolina State. It's crazy. And then they both they both leave on the same day. And they're both two, Croatian. 2024. By the way, too, they're both both uh, Croatian. So is Belichick. It's, or it's a crazy thing. Yeah, Belichick, Carroll, and Nick Saban, they all have, like, Croatian heritage. Oh, all so, right. Shout out to well, our Well, if Norvell leaves... Go get the best football coach in Croatia. <laughs> Seems pretty simple. Uh, did Flores say go and get the best guys in the portal since we last talked, Corey? Uh, they got some defensive ends. Uh, most recently, our guy from Oregon State. I know how to pronounce his name. I got a seat in front of me. Sione Lolohea. Mm, so nice. 47 tackles, eight and a half TFLs, one and a half sacks this past season. He is an edge, uh, not an interior guy. Then they got our guy Tommy from uh, West Virginia, I put his pronouncer in our Slack thread, but I don't have it up in front of me right now. But I think uh, we can recognize who I'm talking about. And I do need to get better about finding out how to pronounce these kid, kids' names. Either I can just look it up on YouTube and hear somebody say their name, or I can just go to their school's website and I'll look at the pronouncer. But uh, the young man from West Virginia committed since we last spoke. Uh, who else have they brought in here? I should just pull up the video uh, thumbnails of everybody that we've had. They've got... Uh, the receiver Malik Benson out of Alabama. He was the number one Juco guy in 2023. Uh, how are things? Grady Kelly. Uh, we, we did mm -hmm. speak about Grady Kelly when we were uh, hanging out last. Well, and but. DJ Lundy. Well, yeah, that's a whole nother kind of one, but I guess we can lump that in for now. Um, or actually, let's maybe sit on it. What, what do you think about the, the additions of the Oregon State and West Virginia defensive linemen? Are those uh, depth pieces or are those front line, keep this thing moving in, in the right direction, sustain what's been built? No, man, I think they're very important pieces. Um, I, I don't know if you call it depth, but like, let's, I, I think let's put it this way. I think you're getting – you're going to have better depth. You're not going to have a Jared Verse. But let's assume that Marvin's – God. <laughs> Marvin Jones – Marvin Jones's kid. I, Marvin Jones Sr.'s son. Let's assume – that Marvin he's going Jr. to be good. Would Marvin, Marvin Jr. Jr. I guess, I guess, man. It's like my brain knows that the Jones is coming. <laughs> and so it adds the S to Marvin. But I, it's not like I've never pronounced somebody with a last name that has S at the end. Yeah. Like I, I can say Marvin Jones, fine. But when I, it's like Marvin, when I know the junior is coming after the Jones, I don't know why my brain does that. It's weird. It's weird how the brain works, yeah. everyone. Um, I can't, and I certainly can't explain mine. But Patrick Payton and, and Marvin Jr. to go along with the the two dudes you just got, I think is comparable. It's not as top end heavy because you don't have a first round pick out of these four. But let's just say that I believe in the two transfers coming in to be better, more impactful on the edge than what you had replacing 
when Verse and Peyton weren't on the field, mm, okay. the guys that were on the field, I got you. you've added, you, you've, you've, I think you've, you've, you've gone up more than a few ticks That's in a really production good and impact. Yeah. That's so it's like, it, I, it's kind of like the same thing. I think a receiver, man, I think the receiver position from top to bottom is probably going to be better than it was this year than it was last year from top to bottom, like the depth of good people in fighting for competition, but you had Keon and Johnny. So the point being when your starters come off the field at wide receiver, and now I think a defensive end, the disparity and the discrepancy isn't nearly as big. I, you know, you'd still rather have Jared Verse, but I think these two guys can play. They've proven they can play. The kid from West Virginia is big. I got it, uh, by the way. Tomiwa Durojaye. Okay. So, shout out to Tomiwa Durojaye. Um, thick, big. Is that, I didn't want to. Yeah, yeah. He's like 270. Yeah. Or he was listed at 270 at West Virginia. So, you've got. And, and then the kid from Oregon State is listed at 240. So, he's more of a speed rush guy. Um, and I, I just you you like what you like the production they've had. You know the kid from West Virginia, he only played like twenty snaps a game. He was a backup for him. He's a redshirt freshman. Hmm. He's a backup for him, and he was second on their team in sacks and tackles for loss, playing twenty snaps a game. So that's impressive. You give him more playing time. Let's see what that production looks like to go along with Marvin and to go along with uh. I'm not gonna even try to Sion. Uh, from, Lolo Hea, Lolo Hea, just call him Lolo. Lolo Hea, um, that's a that's not a bad, that's not a bad defensive end rotation. And I'm not trying to put down the people that were playing behind Peyton and Verse. You guys know who they were. One's in the portal right now. Um, they just weren't, they weren't, they weren't anything special. They were, in my opinion, kind of average football players last year. That does not mean Byron Turner can't be a good player. But he was not a good he was not a good defensive end last year, so I just think the production can be you're going to get much better production and impact from your second team defensive ends this season coming up than you did last season. But will you get anywhere near the production of Jared Verse from Marvin? That's that's the question, right? And but overall, don't you think Peyton Jones, Lolo Hay, and West Virginia, or are uh, but I mean, what? I, I was I was under the impression Uwe Ungagale was going to be the, the the one guy that. that I was going to struggle with. There it's a go. whole there roster full of them now. Yeah, thanks, um, Mike. Thanks, man. Yeah, but hey, they if they can play, they can play, and it, it it certainly looks like they can. You know, I think they're up to number five now in in the on three transfer portal team rankings, um, and I don't know that they're done. Especially now that Alabama's on the open market, they might be bringing in bring the whole offensive line. Uh, that's coming back for Alabama, whatever you have to do. But I, I just think that when you look, you, you feel a lot better as we talk right now on January 10th, 11th, than you did December 26th, right? Like they, they really filled some holes and some needs. Uh, Which is with crazy. The defensive line. I do not disagree with you at all. I, I really like the way that you framed it by kind of, you know, fairly or unfairly comparing what this defensive line can be versus what you just lost. And, you know, I don't think I was really I don't I wasn't down on things, but I mean when you think about it, like all right, you're you think about Peyton and Marvin Jones Jr., as you pointed out, and then it's like they're gonna have to get some other guys on the interior to obviously step up and help replace what they're losing from Fabian and Fisk. But you have Farmer and you have Daryl Jackson coming back. You get Durojaye from uh West Virginia, so that's like all right, there's there's one piece. Grady Kelly help out helps out there. And you get Lolo Hea to help out on the edge as well. And you're like, all right, well, the defensive line really shouldn't take much of a step back. And and, and not to knock and, and take away from what Fabian and Braden and, and Jared meant, but you, you don't have to really squint your eyes that hard to think about, okay, that's, you know, check and check. You know, they had a good foundation in place when they added Marvin Jones Jr. with with Peyton and what they have on the interior with Farmer and, and Jackson. It's like, all right, just go get it, some complimentary pieces yeah. that, are mo- that have been somewhat productive, and you should be fine. So um, I don't know that you have special – no. And I talked a lot no. about last year about you want some special on your team. Right now, I don't know that you would say literally kind of anybody on the football team, uh, the whole team, has proven to be special. That doesn't mean they won't be. I'm just saying as we go into 2024, there's not one person on the roster that you point at and say that guy is just a special football player. He is a Jared Verse. He's a Keon Coleman. He's a Jordan Travis. You don't have that, but, man, you certainly seem to have a lot of pretty good. And pretty mm-hmm. good can win a lot of games. 
pretty good to good can win a lot of games. And I just I feel like they've really upped the floor of this defense with these guys. They've gotten grown men, dudes that are big, dudes that are old to fill in. And then also don't forget, like that I think they do like KJ Sampson. Who's just a, who was a redshirting freshman this year? Um, they do like uh, Daniel Lyons played a lot there, kind of the end of the year mm-hmm. uh, at defensive tackle. I think you you, you, they, you you allow them to grow a little bit. Byron Turner, they like him. You allow him to that, them to grow a little bit, but you also do it with experienced guys that won't just get pushed around and bullied off the ball. Uh, it, it it seems like to me, it's not going to be an incredible defensive line, but they have the pieces to still be. I don't know, man, maybe the best or second-best defensive line in the conference. Yeah. A lot of it depends on Marvin, though, right? Yes. Don't you think? Yeah. We, I think Patrick's going to take another nice leap or step up. And then Marvin, if Marvin can be anything like what we think he can be, uh, what he's what he was projected to be a couple of years ago, what he displayed at times at Georgia this past year, if he can be that guy consistently, then yes, maybe this is one of the better defensive lines in the country. Um. I don't know how I really feel about Devontae Brown, who originally was at UCF and the most recently was at Miami. Um, you know, if you look I don't at his, know anything about him. Did yeah, he play a lot? Uh, this past season at Miami, no. Um, I mean, he played 180 snaps, and it looks like he played in probably about nine games, I'm going to guess. I'm, I can't. I don't want to count out loud. Like does he, not, does he have a brother? Do you I, know anything about his life? <laughs> I don't. I don't know anything about Devontae Brown. So I, I just, thought I saw that maybe he had a brother that they wanted. Uh, I could be completely wrong, though. I might just be making that up, and we'll just take this out of the podcast. Played uh, 11 games, 10 tackles, 9 solo of this past year at the U. So, yeah, older brother of freshman Damari. So, I don't know how good Damari is. And son of former Hurricane Selwyn Brown. What did? Yeah, maybe they want Damari. Maybe the, Was Damari at Miami? Uh, it, says, it says older brother of freshman Damari, so I, I imagine they would not put that in his bio unless his brother okay. was actually at that school with him. So um, not sure how that's going to shake out, and we still don't know what's going on with uh, Fentrell Cypress. But as you mentioned, DJ Lundy on Wednesday recommitted. I don't even know what's the, the proper word. Um, Reedy re. He <laughs> recommitted after a decommit. Yeah. Uh, but. You know, we asked Norvell about it when he was at the Paul Bear Bryant Awards ceremony as one of the nominees for Coach of the Year. Um, kind of had a little bit of a wry smile on his face when he talked about, you know, I guess in this day and age, guys sometimes can, you know, go out and look at their options and then realize, you know, hey, maybe, you know, they, they, they were part of something special. They, they want to keep that going. And I think DJ's announcement insinuated as much as well. Um, uh, you know, it's a funny thing. I'm not going to knock the kid. It's just it's such a weird thing to process. And I get it, man. You know, there's people in your ear and your corner telling you to maybe look around and there's greener pastures in more ways than one. Uh, but he's going to stick it out. This is, you know, he, he committed to this school when Mike Norvell had gotten here in the COVID year and all that kind of uh, nonsense. So uh, definitely a piece that you did not want to lose. So you end up not losing him. I don't know how that affects the trajectory of this defense as a whole, but how did you kind of process uh, DJ going through his process. Yeah, no, I thought that was a big deal. Uh, I, I think that is a big deal. By the way, Damari Brown, his brother, uh, looks like he was a top 200 player in the country, a four-star uh, DB from American Heritage, by the way. Oh, yeah. um, so maybe that was the thinking there. With maybe they can lure the brother who's just who was just a freshman this past year. Um, I assumed he played with Sertan at least for a year or two, uh, maybe to Tallahassee. Uh, maybe after spring practice. Who knows? Who knows how it works anymore? So back to Lundy. Let's just transition right into that. Nobody knows how it works anymore. Um, Look, I I think he was the one, right, out of all the guys that put their name in the portal and actually put it in, um, he was the one that didn't make any sense because I don't know if he had an inflated sense of what he was worth, um, but he's not – he, he wasn't a Tatum Bethune even. He wasn't a superstar. He has not been a superstar at Florida State, but he is an important piece. Like, I'm not trying to dismiss what he means to this team. He's an important piece, and he would be very important next year because he's the he would be the experienced guy, holdover, from a very good defense at that position. And you've got young guys that are trying to learn. He can help bring along. He's been here since 2020. Um, it seemed odd at the time because he was – is there been anybody else that entered the portal that was actually productive at Florida State that played a lot? I can't think any of the top of my head. Maybe a 
I mean, Bless Harris, you know, was Yeah, but he plan. barely started, right? He yeah. didn't play much. Um, he was the one. I mean, Lundy was – I feel like Lundy was playing 25, 30, 40 snaps a game sometimes. Um, so, that being said, I think Florida State is the best fit for him, and I think he's a good fit for Florida State. That's a big deal to get him back. Um, it's weird that it, the way it went down, he essentially just opted out of the bowl game and then came back. Uh, Could have used you in Miami there, DJ. Um, but uh, actually, what would it have mattered? Maybe one stop instead of none during that nine-drive nine, uh, stretch. Um, I, I think he's important. I think he's a guy that you can pencil in to start next year. In play, even if he doesn't start, he's playing a lot. He's helping bring other guys along. And he's proven to be a good defensive football player for Florida State, man. He just has been. He's not special. He's not Marvin or Derek or Telvin, but he's a good football player, and you need those guys, uh, especially at that position because you got so much unproven that having D.J. Lundy back in the fold, a real veteran, a, a bona fide veteran, and a guy that's been in the system for four years, I think really helps. I think that's a pretty big deal. I don't know if it counts as a portal addition. Like, I, I guess it doesn't, uh, but, you know, it, it – to to not lose him to have him come back I think was a very good a very good thing for Florida State on Wednesday. Uh, and then Malik Benson, the the wide receiver from Alabama, who um, you know was the number one JUCO prospect in 2023, did not get a lot of playing time at Alabama or uh, take the I guess you know maybe the, the biggest advantage of his limited opportunities out there, but you know feels like it's maybe worth taking a flyer on a guy that apparently has a lot of uh, top end speed, but still they don't have that you know, six four wide out that you want, but I guess you're just hoping that it's gonna emerge and develop by May, right? Or is this yeah, what you're I mean, gonna go to battle with? Which is yeah, fine. Which is fine. Yeah, we'll see though, right? It looks like there's a lot of potential there. Clearly he was the number one JUCO, not just the number one JUCO receiver, he was the number one overall JUCO player in the country. The last one of those that Florida State had on their roster was Jermaine Johnson. He turned out okay. Uh, so we can't just ju – don't judge him by being a junior college kid. This kid was a – I mean, he signed with Alabama, for crying out loud. They don't take a lot of JUCO kids, especially a wide – I don't think a wide receiver. So he must have been special enough for them to want him. Um, and, may heck, maybe he knew that Saban was leaving. It's like, I'm getting yeah. out the door. I know you guys can ask, like, why would he leave Alabama for Florida State? Number one, probably not the easiest thing to play for that quarterback. Um, he's maybe not great at delivering the ball all the time. Uh, they also have other good guys at Alabama, as you, as you guys – probably know or, and are aware of. But I, I think with that size and speed, it get, it gets you excited about what could be. Um, he It's a lot of potential on this team right now at that position. Uh, Jalen Brown from LSU, this kid, um, everybody you have on your roster already that's been here or just signed with you, the four freshmen, the three uh, freshmen from this past year, nobody except Portier – do you really have a feeling of what they can even – even Darian Williamson. You're like, well, what could he be if he was ever healthy? Could he ever put it together and be a dude? Is he an NFL player? Could he play in the league? Um, I, and I'm not I'm not predicting he would. I'm just saying you don't know because he's never healthy. And Portier wasn't healthy at all this year, which was supposed to be his big jump year. So there's so much unknown about this wide receiver position. But, man, you've got, I think, Aslan, I think right now they've got 13 or 14 scholarship receivers on their roster. Probably won't be that many after spring practice when the next window opens up. But right now, going into spring practice, they figure to have at least 13 scholarship receivers on their roster. Well, that's a lot of that's a lot of uh, stuff Options. to throw at a wall. Yeah. It's a lot of stuff to throw at a wall and see what sticks. Right. And if five of them end up being pretty darn good, well, then you got a nice receiver core, don't you? And this kid is another. He's just an another potential answer you're throwing at a problem uh and I, I i it's with with a lot of potential though right mm -hmm. like that size and that speed he was rated number one for a reason it's gonna be man it, it's gonna be well, a really large fun he's not large human being but he's got he's got wheels apparently so we'll oh i goes. thought he was like six three is he not i don't think so i think he's like six one one nine oh well maybe. whatever well it doesn't matter guys height is overrated um either way i it, it's gonna be a really fun spring because there, last year, I mean, Keon wasn't even here yet, and you knew the quarterback was going to be. I mean, I, I feel like we know who the quarterback's going to be this year, but it's going to be fun to see Brock Glenn and Cromanhawk and then all these receivers. Let's see who stands out. Let's see who's special. Because there is, I do think if you have, you have 13 receivers on your roster at Florida State that have come from LSU, Alabama, and then guys you've signed, some were five stars, most were four stars, 
there's probably going to be at least one or two special dudes in the mix. Who are going to be those guys to stand out? That competition is going to be really fierce. You know, going into – by August 8th of last year, all the receivers on that team knew, well, I'm not I'm not as good as Keon and I'm not as tall as Johnny, so I probably won't be on the field a lot. That's not the case this year. There is a lot of available playing time, a lot. And these guys are going to be fighting tooth and nail to try to get on that field. It's going to be really fascinating to watch. Uh, lots of available options for your gaming needs over at mybookie.ag. Promo code is WARCHANT. Use that for an instant cash deposit bonus. you got NCAA basketball season, NHL odds, NBA, and, oh, it's wild card weekend. Not only wild card weekend, Corey, super, mm, super that's right. wild card weekend. Uh, let's see which one I want to put you on. the. Ooh, Steelers getting 10 against the Bills or... Let me make a trickier one for you. The Eagles giving out three on the road against Tampa. Either of those more uh, adventurous for your uh, inclination, Corey? I like the Eagles. The Eagles are giving up three. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I still think they're going to win. Sorry, Tom Lang and all you Buccaneers fans. I know the Eagles have been awful, awful uh, this past five or six weeks, but I think they're going to rally up for the playoffs. I think it's going to be us against the world. I do think they're much more talented than Tampa. I don't know what's going on with that team, but I just trust them to rise up in the moment and win maybe by multiple scores in Tampa. Not rooting for it. I want all my Tampa fans to be happy. Um, That's not necessarily true. I want Gene Deckerhoff to be happy. So I want want the Buccaneers to win, but I just think the Eagles are going to win that game. Plus, there's going to be a lot of Eagles fans there because they travel well. It's going to feel like a bowl game. It's going to be obnoxious. Uh, And I just, I like the Eagles in that one. Probably should have pulled out the Brownies game for you since that's really that's really what we need to be talking about. Yeah, what's the spread there? Uh, Browns favored by two and a half at the Texans. That's right. That's right. Uh, Flacco. Uh, Flacco versus C.J. Stroud. Stroud. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, I'm I'm gonna say I like the Browns. Okay. I'm picking the road. I'm picking the roadies this week, it. Aslan. MyBookie.ag promo code is WarChamp. Promo requires a $50 minimum deposit and a rollover requirement of one time. Now, we've got it changed. It's only one time your deposit total. So if you put like 100 bucks in, you'll have to then bet $110 to make your withdrawal. For full terms and conditions, visit MyBookie.ag slash about-us. Cora, I was going to ask you parting shots on the national title game and maybe the, the 2023 season as a whole, if we can bury it, if we need to move past. But... Leonard Hamilton's like, hey, yeah, hey, how about us? Yeah, how about these Knowles winning games on the hardwood, man? Conference games, knocking yep. off the number one team in the ACC in Wake Forest the other night. Um, mirage or I don't know something uh, tangible, long lasting. It's definitely tangible because they already have more wins than they did all. They have as many wins now as they did all of last season. So there has been tangible growth. I don't. I still don't think this is an NCAA tournament team. They got to go win on the road, which I don't know if they're maybe equipped to do. Uh, they play at Notre Dame on Saturday and then at Miami. If they could somehow, I shouldn't say somehow, Notre Dame's not very good, but they certainly can beat Florida State at home. If they can go one on one and one on one on this really road trip, it start it get to four and two with a home game at Clemson, and maybe you can somehow win that, and you're five and two. You start to believe like, okay, there might be something really to this team. I do like. What I did like, what I have liked the last three games, they're still not great defensively. They're going to give up open threes and they're going to give up points, but they play fast and that's part of it. But they are really good. One of the best Florida State teams I can remember at creating turnovers Hmm. and live ball turnovers, so creating fast breaks on the other end. This is not the best defense Florida State has had, not even close, but they are one of the best defenses they've ever had in stealing the ball and creating turnovers. Uh, they, I think they lead the ACC in creating turnovers, and they they just they har- harassed Wake Forest all night. And that's good to see. That's good to see. You know, and if, so with that defensive effort, which they did not have for much at all of last season, last three seasons really, at least they're trying. They're playing hard. Um, they're getting it from – Bob has played his two best games of his career in back-to-back games. And then Worley making free throws down the stretch is nice because you want him on the floor because of his defense and his length. All of that stuff, you got the makings of a, you know, I don't think it's an NCAA tournament team, but it's 
Well, I, I can tell you what it isn't. It's not an embarrassment. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? In the last two and a half years, we're an embarrassment. This is a capable basketball team uh, that has some that has some nice pieces. It's not a championship caliber team, but it has some nice pieces, and they play hard. And that's why last year was so uh, confusing and confounding and disappointing and discouraging, and, and quite frankly, why that four-game losing streak was the same. I mean, they were getting down by 20 points uh, to, I can't remember, USF, somebody they got housed on Thanksgiving um, or, or around Christmas. I can't remember who they played in, uh, in the sun, in yeah, Sunrise in the Orange USF, Bowl Classic. Right, right. I mean, that was not a good USF team, and they got destroyed. And then SMU came, and uh, they couldn't score against it. They, all these, they just looked so bad, and then they lost to Lipscomb. Well, then, I don't know what happened. It's not just as simple as making shots. I do think they're uh, they're playing for each other. They look more like a Florida State team and that connective energy. Um they're, they're overwhelming teams sometimes with the guys they bring in, and they're all playing their role. Um, I I don't think they can be a, a good team, though, unless – I don't know what's going on with Primo Spears, but he's too good to shoot like this. I think he's shooting 35%. He didn't hit a field goal the other night, took some bad shots. Um, I, I think he needs to be better. Watkins was good. Bob has been good. Uh, but, yeah, that that's the next piece is a guy that can – can make plays at point, uh, at the point with the ball in his hands. But that's that is kind of the beauty in the sense that, you know, some games he's had 15 points. Some games he hit the two game-winning free throws against uh, Virginia Tech, and then that other night he was terrible, and they still scored over 80 and one anyway. So, I guess they got it, again. That's a lot of me talking about basketball with not really saying anything, other than they are worlds better than they were last year, which is good to see. Last year was very depressing. Uh, the start to this year. There was a couple games that were very depressing. But overall, there are going to be some clunkers. There are going to be some stinkers. Uh, this is not an all-time team. But if they fight like that and play that hard defensively um, and are allowed to play that hard without being called for fouls, um, they're going to hang with a lot of teams. And if they shoot well, they can beat almost all of them. They can. If they shoot well and, can, and are allowed to play that kind of defense where they're getting in passing lanes and, and getting steals, uh, they can beat anybody in the ACC, which is cool. Last year, clearly they could not. 27th in the nation in turnovers forced per game at over 15 and a half. And they're yeah, to, not bad, right? No, and they're getting to the line. They're 27th in the country with nearly 24 free throw attempts per game. So Yeah, they're attacking the basket. Nope. They don't shoot all that well except for Darren Green. He's a very good – he's probably the best shooter Florida State's ever had. Um, but other than him, there's not a lot of marksmen on that team. But, yeah, they do a really good job of attacking the basket. Uh, so, that again, there's some stuff to like. There's not been anything to like. The last two years, except for a couple of Matt Cleveland crazy buzzer beaters, there's been nothing at all to like. There's actually something to like with this team. Uh, they play hard. They create turnovers. They attack the basket. And that's just, you know, that's a that's a refreshing change of what we've seen the last two years. I was looking at their future schedule. I'm like, oh, that's good. The Notre Dame game's 2.15. The Miami game's 7 o'clock. I'm like, oh, they don't, they don't have any of those 9 o'clock uh, abysmal, you know, dismal games. But they – play Virginia Tech the day before Valentine's Day at 9 o'clock. Well, NC that's in Blacksburg, though. Yeah, but they got one against NC State at home on the 20s. Still, though, you know, sometimes you don't like yeah. doing shows if they're I got playing. You. I got you. You know, but anyhow, they're winning games. That's all I really care about. Uh, did they get it right, Corey, the committee? What? Did they get it right? Did the, did the, right, did the right teams play for national title? Uh, is it a tainted title, asterisk, uh, Worst national championship team in the last 20 years. Any thoughts on the national title game, which is now four oh. days old? Oh, yeah. No, I, I, I don't know. I wouldn't say they got the playoff right. Everybody knows how I feel about that. But they were three. I, I Yeah, I think Michigan, other than all, you know, all the cheating and everything, I think they were a deserving champion. That's a very good team. And as we talked about on headlines, uh, before we had to get canceled halfway through because of the tornadoes rolling through town, um, you know, I don't. I'm not going to sit here and say that I think Florida State with Tate Rodemaker was going to beat that Michigan team. I think Michigan doesn't run for 200 yards in the first quarter against that Florida State team. I think it would have been a close game. I'm not going to sit. I'm not delusional enough to think that. Oh, Florida State would have definitely won the national championship this year with Tate Rodemaker. Um, it would have been tough to beat any of those teams. They also wouldn't have been overwhelmed by any of them uh, because there's not much separating them, even with Tate Rodemaker. I will say this, and I'm convinced of it. And I shouldn't be because it's no way to prove it otherwise. I think if Jordan Travis is the quarterback at Florida State, 
I think we'd have been in Houston yesterday or two days ago watching them win a national championship. It's just what I think. Can't can't convince me otherwise because I think J.J. McCarthy versus Jordan Travis is a uh, a mismatch, and I think both teams had really good defenses. Michigan had a better offensive line. Florida State had better receivers. Mm. It would have been a really good game. Yeah. And I'm just not conv- – I am convinced because none of – and if Penix – like, Penix didn't play well, but he got rattled because of that defensive line. Well, yeah. guess who else had a good defensive line that might have rattled a kid? You know, 55 and 5 are chasing you, man. And here comes 11 just batting balls in your face all day long because that's what he does. Like, Florida State could have rattled Penix just like Michigan did. Um, so, you know, I just – you look at the, the way it played out, and it's like, man – I don't. All I think those games did was prove that Florida State belonged because Florida State did belong. Their defense was as good as any of those teams. And if they have Jordan Travis, I think he gives he makes a couple of special plays that J.J. McCarthy doesn't make, doesn't have to make, and Penix couldn't make, and they're probably the national champs. So it's a real bummer that he got hurt. Feinbaum thinks Michigan would have beat Georgia. I mean, I look, man. I, maybe I don't. I don't. Georgia clearly wasn't unbeatable. They lost to a not great Alabama team, so probably I, you know, who knows? Hey, you know what, Aslan? Who knows? That's right. Who knows? One thing we'll never know is uh, what Florida State could have done because they were left out, and I'm not happy about it. I am happy that Al- that Saban got his one last chance in the playoff, though. Yeah, it was nice. That's, that's what it was all about, right? That was what it was all about. Get him one last chance to get in the playoff and win a national title before he gallops on down the road. Start selling more Mercedes Benz. Would they be, they, you think they'll call Kirby? No. I mean, sure, but he's just going to hang up on you. I mean, why? Why would you leave Georgia? Why would you leave? That's home. That's the best recruiting base, probably. Um, if Miami was actually a public university, I'd go with Miami. But, like, yeah, you can't beat Athens. You can't beat Athens because you have Atlanta. It's also where he went to school. It's his alma yeah, mater. No but they might make a call. Yeah. I, I really do wonder if they'll even call Dabo. Like, I think Dabo would go. Oh, because for sure. I man. think Dabo, I don't know that Dabo would have gone three years ago. I think Dabo is fed up with those fans. He's not appreciated, all that nonsense he's been spouting for a year and a half now. Um, he, I think he would, he's itching to go. I think he's staring at his cell phone right now, wondering why a text or a phone call hasn't come through. And I just think it's, they think he's on the downside. And I think if I'm the AD and I, and I listen to how he talks about NIL and I listen to how he talks about the portal and I see what his program has done in the last three or four years compared to where it was, I'd be like, I don't know that this guy is built for modern era NIL portal college football. And I'm not going to hand him the keys to my program unless I get in writing that he's going to take no less than nine portal transfers a year. I and guess, if he's not willing to sign that, then he's not the Alabama head coach. Yeah, and there's the outside shot that this finally gets regulated and stops being as perverse as it is, but you can't risk that because by the right. time that happens, it's you know year four and Dabo's totally uh, spun out of control. So yeah. it's and this is and I'm, you know we got to wrap up the show. It's it's been a long one. I just yeah. This is why I've always been a little bit dubious about leaving this conference and and trying to be in lockstep with Clemson. Because for whatever his foibles are, like what Dabo did at Clemson is extremely impressive and to be respected. He leaves Clemson. Like, who does Clemson get? What happens to Clemson if he were to leave? And then, like, this is supposed to be like the look what we've brought to the to the party, everybody. You know, like we've brought Clemson along with us. Clemson, well, I think what yeah, no, I get what you're saying because it, you could run through the coaches that were Clemson before Dabo, and it's it sounds like the Alabama coaches before Nick. Like they not very good, not very impressive. Um, even though Bow- there was a Bowden in there for a good long while. Love you, Tommy. Uh, yeah, um, but the what makes Clemson like what's what's UCLA done? What's or other than this year? What had Washington ever done? Oregon's never won a championship. I guess the point being, Clemson has proven it can get there. So that's what makes them appealing, right? Yeah. In the modern era, not not fifty years ago, not seventy years ago when Army and Navy were great, but in the modern era, Clemson with the right coach and Florida has, State being down. Well, still, but it did happen. They they beat Alabama. They weren't beating Florida State in those championship games. They were beating Alabama. Um, so they they had real talent. They did prove that they could get there. That it is a it is a sustainable, you know, with the right coach, it is a, a sustainable juggernaut. And there aren't many of those in the country. Um, so that's 
that's why I think Clemson would still be appealing, even without Dabo, just like I think Florida State would be appealing even without Norvell. They've proven they can go 13-0 and with three different coaches in the last 20 years, 25 years. So Florida State is, is programmed for success. Clemson, too, has proven that if they have the right coach, their ceiling is really, really high. Uh, so that would, I think, that's why you would the Big Ten would be, uh, you know, uh, they would be attractive to the Big Ten. But who cares about Clemson? Just get Florida State there, baby. State University of New York, Albany quarterback Reese Poffenbarger committed to Miami. Yeah, is the U back? <laughs> I don't want to. It's hard to urinate on Miami too much about taking an Albany kid when one of the best players, maybe the best player on your entire team this past year was an Albany transfer. Um, the difference is, of course, is that Verse was uh, in the portal. Everybody knew he was awesome. He was like the number 20 overall player. He was the second best defensive end in the portal. This kid, at least according to on three, I think he was like the 43rd or 50th ranked quarterback in the portal. So that's why you can make fun of Miami. Uh, not, and also the kid's name. What is his name? Say it again. Reese Poffenbarger. 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 Like he's from Fraggle Rock. What are we doing, Miami? You can't have a kid. That's the only reason Hornybrook didn't work out at Florida State is because of the last name. Hornybrook? They sound like country clubs. Or, uh, you know, how I saw somebody on Twitter say it was like a Harry Potter house. I mean, Paul. These guys can't be your quarterbacks. Paul Horning, legend. Alex Hornybrook. Yeah, Hornybrook's not just not getting it done. Neither is Reese Piffin. What is Piffin Hopper? Piffin Hopper? Poffenbarger. I like Piffin Hopper better. <laughs> uh, which, by the way, if you have the internet, um, Reese is related to a uh, Arkansas volleyball player named Sailor Poffenbarger. Check it out. Don't be creepy, Aslan. I'm just saying, check it out. All right. That's a wrap for us. Jeff Cameron Show, 1 to 3 o'clock, mailback show, dropping for you folks tomorrow. Stay connected to warchant.com. All, shoot, I forgot. Recruiting show, live recruiting show, 6 p.m. Michael Langston and myself. Tonight, so tune in for that. I know I got to do a mailbag show. Can't wait. Awesome. He's Corey Maslow. Thanks for listening to Wake Up War Champ, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill.